Hi, this is Bill Osmolsky with the McIver Institute, and welcome to the McIver Newsmakers Podcast. We're joined today by Assembly Speaker Robin Voss for a review of 2021 and a look ahead to 2022. Speaker Voss, thank you very much for joining us on the McIver Newsmakers Podcast today. Happy to do so, Bill. Happy New Year. Hey, you too. So I know most of us probably just want to put 2021 behind us and never think about it again, but I'm also sure that there are some accomplishments that Republicans in the state assembly would probably like to remind us about. Well, you're right. 2021, I guess I thought 2020 uh, could not be much worse, but then we went through 2021 where, if you remember way back at the beginning of the session, we tried to make sure that schools could be open, that kids could be in classrooms, that we would allow for the virus, which we all know is serious, uh, to be able to work its way through our state. But also, remember, we've got to keep our state operating, businesses going, and kids going to school. Uh, if you remember, we had a lot of fights with Governor Evers in the beginning. Eventually, we um, were able to win some of those through the court system. Uh, but the most important thing for us to remember is that we had a budget that Governor Evers introduced which had massive tax increases, expansions of welfare, uh, really large increases in state spending. Uh, we tossed all those out uh, and literally with no input from Governor Evers, crafted our own budget. Uh, and I would say it's one that Scott Walker would have been proud to sign with income tax cuts, property tax cuts, uh, increases in spending on uh, education and on health care, but all in a way that kept our spending level at one of the lowest levels in the last two decades. So. I think it was a really good accomplishment that we all know Governor Evers signed under pressure from us, uh, and he's now trying to take credit for the fact that he signed a tax cut when the reality is he proposed a massive tax increase. So I think that was really an interesting thing for us to look at. Uh, we put some ideas forward uh, dealing with the Second Amendment and making sure we protect those who are the most vulnerable, uh, the unborn. So I think we had a really good year. Uh, albeit ending on kind of a weird note with the return of Omicron and the fact that an awful lot of school districts now seem like they don't want to go back to school. That's really disappointing for a lot of moms and dads and frankly for the mental health of our kids. You know, um, just um, jumping jumping straight ahead then to, uh, you know, 2022 and, um, you know, obviously a lot is going to be put on, on hold here uh, with the elections in the fall, but, um, you know, how much of... Um, you know, what what you um, presented in 2021, can we expect to see, you know, again, uh, resurface in 2022 and, and, you know, and become a big part of the campaigns, too, actually? Well, from my perspective, we saw what happens when the federal government borrows a ton of money from our grandchildren and gives it away to people, which really incentivize folks not to work. If you remember, we had that bonus unemployment, which kept people on the sidelines. We have a massive expansion in food stamps. We made it really easy to stay on welfare longer. And I think what we want to focus on is helping people who truly are vulnerable, because if someone's hungry, I think living in a great country like we do, nobody should starve and nobody should go hungry. But we also need people to work for that. Um, so we have a package of bills that we're going to bring forward talking about uh, significant welfare reform. We have some ideas to reform the unemployment insurance system. Uh, just this week, we want to try to do everything we can to incentivize people to get back into the workforce or to join the workforce. Um, every single career in the state, from a dental hygienist to a police officer, um, every profession from uh, lawyers and doctors, they all have a shortage of folks going into the field. Uh, so we need to get everybody off the sidelines, and that's why this week we announced a pretty comprehensive package of ideas working with the uh, police chiefs, the deputy sheriffs, and uh, police unions, 
try to incentivize folks to go into law enforcement. So our whole focus this year is really going to be getting people off the sidelines, back to the workforce, and keeping our Wisconsin economy stronger than it has been over the past couple of years. You know, I noticed, uh, I'm, I'm glad you, you brought up the uh, budget and the tax cuts before because, yeah, I was a little surprised when I saw Governor Evers' press release on that, trying to take credit for it. Um, the other thing that I'm noticing more and more is uh, all these press releases he's sending out about all the money that he's giving to various organizations and causes around the state. And, you know, that's, that is that those billions of dollars that you were mentioning uh, coming from the federal government that he has complete authority to give to whoever he wants. You know, what kind of factor is that going to be, uh, you know, throughout the year leading up to the election? And what can Republicans do to kind of counter that? Well, that's a challenge, Bill. Um, you know, we passed a bill early on in the session saying that no one elected official should have the right to spend taxpayer dollars by creating new programs and all those kind of things. Of course, he vetoed it. So God willing, we get a Republican governor. We are going to make that AB1 to ensure that no elected official gets to spend money unilaterally. That should have never happened, and, and it shouldn't be happening now. But until that changes, uh, Governor Evers, in my mind, is going to try to use that as the chief reason for his reelection. He's handing out taxpayer dollars like it's candy. Um, I see this last week he created a brand new program to help people pay their unpaid water bills. Um, you know, of course, we want to help folks who are poor, but the idea that we need to have another program to give money away to people who could be working to pay their bills as opposed to sitting on the sidelines is exactly part of the problem with having one person be in control of the purse strings because I would rather use that money to get people back into the workforce to incentivize people to go into the job market as opposed to sitting on the sidelines getting an extra government check to pay their bills. Yeah, so what are some of the ideas that you guys are pitching to try to get people, encourage people in the workforce and go into some of these professions like, you know, law enforcement especially that, you know, it doesn't seem to be a very attractive uh, career choice right now. Well, you're right. A lot of our Democratic friends have been part of this whole defund the police movement and really made it difficult for people to want to be attracted to go into law enforcement. Um, the, the most important job in my mind um, in the public sector is providing public safety, police, fire, uh, making sure that we have our prisoners locked up so that if you don't have a safe community, everything else falls by the wayside. So uh, one of the ideas that we have would say that if a municipality, let's take Milwaukee, uh, if they spend 10% of their budget on police, that means that they have to spend at least 10% of the one-time federal dollars on beefing up the police department, more training, more recruiting. Uh, we want to make sure that if police officers join the force, there's a, a brand new program we will create, which creates a $5,000 bonus for hiring a new police officer, kind of a recruitment bonus. Uh, we need to bring more people in the profession, so giving them extra money for training, uh, ensuring that they have the resources to guarantee that they are the best trained and safest uh, people on the street. I think there's a lot of good ideas that the police officers came to us with, and hopefully they're ones that eventually Governor Evers could sign and show that instead of just empty rhetoric, he really does stand behind our men and women in blue. You know, we started to see a little bit of uh, a shift in uh, the mentality in some of these uh, Democrat cities uh, from defund the police to, you know, more of a focus on public safety. Have, have you gotten any pushback on these um, on this package or has uh, have you got any uh, any support from the other side of the aisle on it yet? No, it was a knee-jerk reaction. A lot of Democrats, of course, came out and were against it. I don't know why they would be against funding the police. But I think one of the challenges we see in the city of Milwaukee and the Milwaukee Police Union at our press conference yesterday pointed out that with the hundreds of millions of dollars coming in from the federal government, none of it 
has been allocated to the police department. And when you see, you know, a record 200 plus murders uh, in 2021 in the city of Milwaukee, you would think that at least a portion of that money would go into keeping our streets safe. So I think that no matter what the rhetoric is, the reality clearly shows that they are not supporting the police. Uh, like I think the vast majority of citizens, Democrats, Republicans, independents, you know, those who have no party um, want to make sure that they see. Yes. Now, um, uh, when you are in the assembly, you're you're also in the manufacturing industry. Uh, I, you know, most a lot of people know you own a popcorn factory. Um, what have you been seeing in terms of you know private la- the private labor uh, force um, over just the past few months? I mean, obviously over the summer, this story got a lot of attention. You know, how how has this developed? You know, through the holiday season and, and, uh, and into this new year. It's really challenging. I mean, like almost every employer, we had pretty significant wage increases. Uh, And that's the way the private sector should work. Uh, It should not be mandated by the government. But in reality, with all the free-flowing money that came into the economy, that uh, there's about one-third more dollars in the economy because of all the borrowed money than there was in January of 2020. So that's what's causing a lot of the inflation. But that's also caused upward pressure on wages. So it's good for workers, but only if their wage increases are higher than the wage increases or the inflationary increases that we're seeing at the same time. So... Uh, I think that's why it's so important for us to make sure that if you are able-bodied uh, and you are uh, willing to work, that we give every incentive to do so. Uh, private employers are increasing wages. They are going out and trying to look for people who might have not been uh, the top-tier recruits before, uh, people who have been uh, in prison, people who have been disabled. Uh, they might not have been the first choice in past years, but now they are totally in demand because we are so desperate for workers. Uh, Another idea that we want to do is we want to try to bring people in from other states. So one of the law enforcement bills that we brought forward would say that if you're a law enforcement official in Illinois or Minnesota and you realize that the state that you're in isn't doing enough to support law enforcement, we have an incentive of up to $10,000 based on the years of service for you to relocate to Wisconsin and join a local police department. So we want to also be attractive to people from outside the state to move here and help fill a lot of the jobs that are going unfilled today. So a lot of this is going to hinge on, you know, the outcome of the upcoming elections in the fall. And obviously, ballot integrity continues to be a, a big issue throughout the country. Uh, last year, you hired uh, former Justice Mike Gableman to conduct an investigation of the 2020 election in Wisconsin. And um, so what, what's been the biggest discovery uh, of that investigation so far? Well, I think we're seeing it with the, the series of investigations that we've done. Because, of course, you know, the Legislative Audit Bureau... Um, showed that there were massive problems with the Elections Commission and the way that they operated in the last election cycle. We saw that Will came out and had many of the same results, and now we see with Justice Gabeman, he's focusing more of his time and effort on the millions of dollars that came to Democrat cities where they basically turned over the operation of their elections to a partisan organization on the other side. So I think we know that there were problems in the election. Um, I have Uh, goals that we would have on the assembly floor calendar in March, uh, proposals that will address a lot of those. So uh, I never in my wildest dreams thought that we would see so much opposition from liberals, especially those funded by George Soros and a lot of uh, far left-wing groups to fight against any attempt to get at the bottom of what happened in 2020. But um, they have a vested interest in keeping the system just like it is. But I have absolute confidence that the hard work of conservative activists and the voters in Wisconsin who are sick and tired of do-nothing Tony Evers, the Biden uh, administration with inflation and mismanagement of our economy, 
that we're going to have a good election cycle, but we're going to try our darndest to expose the things that happened, to pass legislation to fix it, and to make sure that everybody knows whose side uh, that the elected officials are on when it comes to making sure we have free and fair elections. So where do you see the uh, this this investigation um, ultimately going? And, I mean, do we have any idea of, like, when we might see a final report from that? I have asked Justice Gameman to get us a final report by the end of February so that we have an opportunity in March before we adjourn the session, because the session ends in March, uh, for us to be able to bring those bills forward. So I know he's being stymied by liberals who are taking the court over every possible way that he is doing his investigation, but... Um, I have uh, absolute confidence in his ability to bring forward the report by the end of February so we can act on it and get us uh, hopefully a fairer system than we have today. You know, a, a technical question on that real quick, if you've got, if, I mean, if you're able to answer it. I, I, I was a little surprised when I saw the Wisconsin Elections Commission was suing the assembly. Um, what authority do they have? Like, did you guys, when you created the Wisconsin Elections Commission, you know, several years ago now, were they given the authority to sue other branches of the government? Well, I certainly didn't think so. Like you, I'm not a lawyer, so I don't know all the legal wranglings. But I knew, though, that when you have a partisan attorney general who is doing everything he can to show liberals why he matters, uh, I think a lot of this comes at his direction. But I will say, when many of us voted to create the Elections Commission, we intentionally made it 3-3 so that we would see bipartisan cooperation and not partisan investigations like we saw under the old GAB. Uh, but unfortunately, with a rogue attorney general and with um, kind of an unresponsive agency, we're really frustrated with what's happening. And that's why we're going to need to have major reform in the next session once we get a hopefully a different governor who's more open to the idea of fixing the system as opposed to perpetuating what's the bad things that have been happening. Is there anything else that we didn't talk about that you think people should keep an eye on in the uh, <laughs> sometime in uh, 2022? No, it's just most important. If you're a conservative activist, there's never been a more important election cycle than this one. Uh, making sure that you help local candidates, making sure that we uh, get a different governor, that we have an opportunity to retain Ron Johnson's U.S. Senate seat. Um, it's really going to require us to all pull in the same direction. So the one thing I'm, I, I hope we don't see is fracturing on the conservative side of the aisle. We have so much opportunity to win back the governor's office and to maintain good conservative control. I hope people don't nitpick over minor issues and instead focus on the greater goal of making sure we have a trifecta in Wisconsin to push our conservative agenda like we did prior to Governor Evers winning in 2018. Well, Speaker Voss, uh, thank you very much. We really appreciate you taking the time to be with us today on the McIver Newsmakers Podcast. Thanks, Bill. Talk to you again soon. Yep. Take care. And thank you to all of our listeners for also joining us today. Be sure to visit us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, as well as our website, mckiverinstitute.com. For the McIver Institute, I'm Bill Osmolsky. Thanks again for listening.